When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And we want to kick off this broadcast today by thanking our sponsor of Best to the Nest, which is, of course, Pour Moi Climate Smart Skincare. This is affordable luxury skincare from France. It's my favorite skincare line, the only products I use. It is proven for anti-aging results. Pour Moi Climate Smart Skincare. Uh, you can use the code BEST for an extra 20% off. There's a 100% money back guarantee. And it's pourmoiskincare.com. That's P-O-U-R-M-O-I skincare.com. Use that code BEST. Get an extra 20% off. And we'll talk a little bit more about specific products for this current climate uh, a little bit later in the podcast. But we're going to start today by welcoming our dear Marjorie, <laughs> our dear Marjorie. This is how I refer to you now, <laughs> my dear Marjorie, back to uh, back to the best of the nest. Boy, I've missed seeing your face. Even when it's crying? Even when it's crying. There's <laughs> always missing... expected to be some crying here. Yes, I've missed your face and, and I've missed you as well. But I just really wanted to today um, say thank you to all of the kind people that have reached out. Um, it is, I have a really good friend of mine who called me and, um, has known Ian. She's the first of my dear friends that I introduced Ian to when Ian and I first started dating. So she is part of our origin story of our early love story. And she called me and she had just been visiting another friend whose husband had passed. And, um, she said that her friend felt so alone and I said to her that's not where I am yeah what I feel is an avalanche of love and so to all of the strangers not strangers that reached out and said oh my gosh Marjorie the boys um we send you our love we send you our prayers I'm so grateful for that outpouring mm-hmm. as odd as it is sometimes um to, to to have sort of that weird broadcasting one-sided relationship yeah. where I don't know you all by name, but I felt the love. And so I feel like I know you for all of that love that you sent me. Um, the boys and I, or me in particular, I, I found it so sweet that so many people, particularly that responded on the Best of the Nest site or on the My Talk site, 
referred to my children as the boys. The boys. Because they were itchy and scratchy for so many years to so many people. And they're 32 and 30. You know, they're like permanently 10 and 8, though, to most people. <laughs> I know. Um, so thank you. And and really, I just, I'm, I just don't know how to express it adequately that the last thing I felt in my grief for yeah for Ian's death was alone yeah I do not feel alone and I've told this story on the podcast before when I was a young news producer one of the things I had to do when there was a death in somebody's family and if it was sort of a a news death an accident or something like that we would send the reporters over to the person's house to try and get a picture of the person who had died mm -hmm. and when it was a child in particular I just hated the idea that a reporter this is in a very small town would be knocking on someone's door and I remember going to Ian and saying I hate this I hate asking it I hate intruding I hate it so much and he said to me if it were one of our children I would hand them the picture and I would shout it from the rooftops that someone that I loved had died. I would want everybody to know. And I'm such a private person. I thought, well, I understand that it's not how I would react. But I understand that in grief, you want the world to hear. And I am still a very private person. And sort of through no doing of my own, a lot of people knew that my husband had passed. And I think that would make him happy. That a lot of friends have come forward to comfort me. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful. And I have a lot of gratitude for all that love because I feel it. Like I said, it, it truly in the depths of the grief. Um, when he first died, there was so much love coming at me. Um, yeah. But I think I was able to stand up. Yeah. So, so thank you. Oh, Marjorie. It's just, um, you know, what's interesting is what I keep hearing from people is just, um, <laughs> that they just like can't believe it's real. Mm -hmm. And I think for some of us, who've known and loved Ian for a long time, but like, we don't hear him every day on the radio anymore. So you just like have this idea of what he's doing. And so I think like, I mean, you're living your every day. So you're reminded of this every minute. He's everywhere. Yeah. And um, I think it's just like very difficult to come to terms with that. This is like, that it's real I don't know it Which is. sounds awful because for you it's so real no 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 it's not awful it's... and and it's how it feels to me sometimes um my children now grown men would <laughs> often remark about the strangest of my relationship with their father we were so intertwined intertwined you know, obviously, because of the work we did for 10 years on the radio, people would ask me, 
like, what's it like at home? Because on the radio, our job, he considered his job for 10 years to make me laugh. I mean, how lucky am I that I had a husband that worked really hard for four <laughs> hours a day to make me laugh. And so I think to people who listened to the show and enjoyed the show, I'm sure there were people who didn't enjoy the show and that's fine. But for people who did, it's it was meant to be fun and it was meant to be meaningful and it was meant to be curious. And so that's a pretty engaging place for a married couple to rest for four hours a day. Mm -hmm. And so I, I look back at that with great gratitude, but people would ask thinking that that's what our life was like 24 seven. And so they'd be like, you know, what's it like at home? And I'm like, it's really quiet because we've, we then would go and we'd go do our own work and we'd go do our own thing. And it was still wonderful, but it's like, think about talking to your husband for four hours straight every day. Nobody no. clocks that amount of no time. No one does that. No. So our life, you know, the, the boys would laugh about it because our life was so intertwined. And even when we stopped doing the radio show and he went off to get his PhD and I stayed back to do the show with you because mm -hmm. suddenly there were three people in college and somebody <laughs> had to not be in school. Um, and we would FaceTime each other and then work next to each other. So we would... I mean, thank God FaceTime didn't charge by the minute yeah. because we would be, we would FaceTime for like three hours, yeah. and, but it would sometimes just be quiet and we would both be working. I'd be writing a script. He'd be working on a paper, but we were always like that creatively that we were like cats in a way that we always <laughs> had to be close. And so people, you know, would think about, or, you know, that the, the fact that we were in different cities, um, that was always way harder on him than it was on me because mm -hmm. I'm a much more independent spirit. But I say that at the same time, I'm FaceTiming him for three hours a night. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like it was, you know, and commuting back and forth. And so we were very intertwined um, in, a, in a particular way to us. Every marriage is different. But that's what I miss. I miss the, I miss the net of love yeah that he always was for me no matter what i wanted to do and yeah. he was always um a great partner in that way for me yeah um so well when i, I when i think back to the um radio show i remember like one of the first i think when i started doing the dirt alerts with you guys i mean and you were so welcoming to me not every show was, by the way, just FYI. <laughs> and you know who you are if you're listening from My Talk 1071. Um, but I remember hearing the bit that you guys did like at the beginning, and he had recorded you snoring. Oh, yeah. Do you remember this? I still don't 100% believe that was me. <laughs> he swears I sounded like a cow. It was so loud and I remember thinking you know like because it was my still my like early tv days really right. I mean even when you're in your 20s it's still yeah. early and so and particularly early in like my lifestyle tv and lifestyle kind of radio where you just were yourself because as a yeah. reporter you were never yourself you were yeah. someone telling someone else's story and um and just thinking like this is amazing that they are just like whatever, whatever. And, and I remember like I don't know why, because you guys did a million bits. I listened to a million things. I was, you know, 
part of the show for many hours for all sorts of things, yeah. which was so wonderful. But um, that to me was so pivotal because it was like, you were so number one, just secure in each other's adoration of each other that there would never have been a question like, was that coming from a place of like trying to embarrass you? And then you right. were also just so secure in who you are as individual people that like you could run it and he could just run it into the ground and yes. you would just like <laughs> laugh and laugh and then be like, oh my gosh, stop. I remember it just being so funny. And I, I like think of that regularly. Isn't that funny? <laughs> well, he was, um, when, um, so I was in, so Ian actually got the diagnosis on October 3rd. Yeah. Um, so from October to December when he passed was just so hard mm -hmm. and I was in class and I was taking a, um, advanced, a graduate level creative nonfiction writing class. And at the beginning of the semester, we had to pitch what we would do sort of a long form paper on. So it was sort of like, um, creative journalism. So yeah. You pick a specific topic and then you sort of intertwine a greater life theme into the topic. And I had pitched this really complicated and very hard story to do because for me, I figure I'm in school. So if I'm not doing things that are really, really hard, why am I here? Yeah. And I um, would go like a C's get degrees view, but okay. Yes. <laughs> I, I love you. I love this about you. Just so you know. So I just pitched this super difficult that would have required so much research um, idea. And then when Ian got the diagnosis about his liver and what they found out was that he had a, a genetic mutation in his liver that was, they th I, the diagnosis is still not 100% clear, but that 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 would, may have been the cause that that mutation caused um, the liver to sort of turn on itself. Yeah. So... I talked to my professor and I said, you know, it never even occurred to me to drop the class as it never occurred to my husband to stop teaching. He turned in his last grades the Tuesday before he died. No way. Um, it's the way we're wired. Yeah. But it's it corp. It's just insane. <laughs> um, that may change going forward. <laughs> um, so I, I talked to my professor and I said, I can't research anything but the liver. It's the only thing I care about. I just have to understand what's happening to him. And she's like, of course, she's like, of course, of course, just write whatever you want. Yeah. And it was actually very helpful because for me, I don't, I cannot live in a world that I don't understand. Right. I find it very disorienting. And so... I was so glad I did it because I wrote a paper called um, The Anatomy of a Joke. And what I intertwined was what Ian was going through medically. So I did all of the research on every procedure he was having, and I intertwined it with him. Because as we were leaving the diagnosis on the 3rd of October, we were driving home. And he had written his first liver transplant joke. Because he just was trying to make me laugh. Yeah. Because I must have looked so panicked. Mm -hmm. And 
I wrote about that. And then I won't go into great detail. But until the end, he was still trying to make me laugh. And when I think of that, I just think, I mean, one of the things I said in the paper, everything good in our life came from his ability to love deeply and to make people laugh. Every job he got was because he could write a joke. Mm -hmm. He was really good at writing a, you know, a basic structure joke. But I so, um, I think about that and I think about, how lucky I am that laughter was such a big part of our life for 38 years. Mm -hmm. It was a part of our life professionally and it was part of our life every day. And when we talk about our nests, laughter in our house, we used to joke that the punnet motto amongst our family is for the sake of the gag is like, if you were attempting to do something funny and it failed or th that it wasn't funny or you crossed a line, you got a total pass if you were trying to make somebody laugh in the house <laughs> and um and it's a good way to live yeah it with is a lot a good of laughter yeah yeah so oh but. marjorie i mean i was listening back to um some of our episodes because we were re-airing some of the episodes while you were taking some time off and um oh i just loved like i loved hearing his voice and hearing hearing you two together it was just magic and I think the way you guys shared so much but then also had really clear boundaries about what you kept for yourselves was also just a really big lesson to me personally and and I know just appreciated by so so many I've gotten so many messages I've gotten messages from like Ian's old college friends who are sending me notes to send to you <laughs> I'm like I have a pile of stuff at my desk for you just FYI like it's it's coming and um it has really uh been not in any way surprising to hear from so many people who um Ian touched and just made every person feel like they were the most important and we all knew that you were the most important i mean that's just such a gift and all i've been thinking about these past weeks is just what a gift if you were lucky enough to say that you knew ian punnett and he knew you i don't know it's like the most unexpected, wonderful joy and mentorship and friendship ever in my life. Oh. Also because he brought me to you. <laughs> and he brought me to you. <laughs> to me. <laughs> That's what I want to say. <laughs> you to me. Yeah. Oh, Marjorie. Well, I am. Um, I am. Um, I look back and I think about, I'm such a headstrong person. And I met him when I was 18 or 19. I think I was 18 when I first met him. Um, and I can see him 
that that I can remember the first time I saw him. Yeah. And I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast, but it's just so clear because he had the most beautiful hair. Yeah. It's very funny because I do remember the same thing. <laughs> the most beautiful hair. It was flowing as he was walking through the newsroom. It's very funny. I don't, does everyone only, I don't remember the first time I saw like 99.9% .9 of people in my life. But it's... I don't know. He had beautiful hair and he walked in and he was wearing this checked wool sweater, which I have in the garage. Oh gosh. Marjorie. Camo pants. Remember, it's the 80s. Yeah. Camo pants with, you know, this preppy wool cream and black plaid sweater and penny loafers. It's the most absurd outfit if you put it all together, but somehow it looked good. Um, and he walked in and I don't think we talked that first day, but I just looked up at him and it's like, oh. And, and I knew he was something called at the University of Illinois. There was a column called Campus Scout which at the Daily Illini was a very big deal. So um, Hugh Hefner had been a former campus scout. Um, you had to uh, you had to write to get it. So, you know, at a university of, I don't know, 20,000 people or whatever. And he was the campus scout that year. And so I remember looking up at him and thinking, oh, you know, cool, that's the guy. Yeah. We didn't really talk. And then I remember I was in the newsroom and, he started coming over to me and I never understood. I was such a Catholic schoolgirl always. I never really understood flirting. Like it never really, I was not good at it and I didn't understand it. <laughs> and when people would pay attention to me, I just thought, I don't, I never thought it. I just thought, well, that's interesting. Like I never, I could never pick up on flirting. Like it was so bizarre. It's a good thing I got married so young, but <laughs> he, he, um, he came over and he just did what he does. And he just was like right at me, like, you know, who are you? What do you want to do? And at the time I was very into politics. And I just said to him, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the president of the United States. Because at this point I was headed to law school. I was, you know, heading back to Washington. I just left Washington. So I was heading back to Washington. You still would make a good president. I would vote for you. Oh, we differ you. on a lot of our political opinions, probably. But I would take good care of you. You'd <laughs> be in you my would. cabinet for sure. <laughs> um. And so I was very, very sure that I was heading back to Washington and very sure that I was going to be a lawyer and very sure of myself and um, probably ad nauseum when I look back. And he just started joking with me about how he'd be the perfect first husband. Oh, my gosh. And he said, I'd be great. We, You need to marry me. That's true. I'd be great. And, um, and I sort of laughed and I was dating somebody else at the time. And I just, ah, you know, and, um, and then we became friendly because he was always talking to me and we became friendly and um and then he just used to I'd be making out with this other boyfriend like on the street or somewhere <laughs> and I've told this story before I know I have but it's still so weird to me like we were in I was with this other guy in the stacks in like the basement of the library that's and a I real opened... sexy place to make out FYI can I just yeah, pause with that it's fine <laughs> And I remember opening my eyes and there's Ian. It's like, what the hell? And then, and then, you know, he would tease me about it in the newsroom. He'd be like, what is with you two? I cannot like get away from you. It's like everywhere I turn, I see you making out with somebody else. And so it just became this running joke. And then I was, I, um, I went home for the summer of my 
sophomore year. And um, I was heading, I had been elected to be an alternate delegate for Gary Hart, quite embarrassing, at the Democratic National Convention. So I was heading to San Francisco for the convention. Wow. And Ian wrote me a note. He wrote me a letter and said, hey, there's this guy that I want you to look up and research. And again, not understanding that he's flirting with me, just thinking, oh, he needs me to go figure something out for him in San Francisco. And then um, and then I sort of realized it. And I I went back that summer and I broke up with the other person. And then I I started dating Ian and we were engaged. We named our kids on our first date. And we were engaged by October of yeah. my junior year. And everything I thought my life would be didn't matter. And I just wanted to be married to him. And which was so the antithesis of who I was. And I look back at that and I'm just so grateful that I didn't do what my natural inclination would have been to do, which is to say, oh, I've got to do all these other things first. And then maybe then, or maybe it just, it just sort of felt like it had to be. And because I did that, you know, I'm only 59 and I got to be married to him for 38 years. Yeah. I mean, that's more than most people get. I know. And so I try and be really grateful. Yeah, it's still not enough though. It's not enough. No. But I try to be grateful. Marjorie, so, thank you for coming back today. Yeah. I so thank you. you to everybody. Yeah. I missed you too. We missed you. You're the best. And um, <laughs> so are you. I love you. I love you too. And I loved him. I know you did. And he loved you. <laughs> always. I will always remember the day he came home. And he's like, I went up to this woman and I told her, this is not your future. I go, jeez. <laughs> he did. He did. So, Thank God. I was about to crack, man. <laughs> I think he sensed that. I think he probably did. All right, Marjorie, we're going to, um, we're going to wrap this up. And um, before we go, I do want to say another thank you to our sponsor, Pour Moi Climate Smart Skin Care, who, by the way, Uli has just been beyond supportive and has just continued to say whatever you guys need. No. And I've said, we are going to continue to do the podcast. We are going to get episodes out and she's just been incredible. Um, Thank you. She's wonderful. So make sure that you use that promo code best so that you can take 20% off pour moi climate smart skincare. And it has been so cold lately, Marjorie. So I've been busting out the, uh, the uh, ultra, oh my gosh, you got to get the coldest stuff. Today was a polar day, which is really good. So it's getting a little bit better, but making sure that you are dressing your skin, just like we dress ourselves for the weather. So use the code best pormoiskincare.com. That's P-O-U-R-M-O-I skincare.com. You'll get 20% off of your order. And in the meantime, if you're enjoying this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, give us a review at Apple podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home.